All right. Continue so onward. we have the clap. So. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Jacob Malicic, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is Matthew, who today has some very special thanks to give out. Matthew, take it away. Yes, I do, Jacob. Thank, uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you to Jack Hess, who did the uh, intro music you just heard, and he was going to do some, uh, we also did our outro music here at the end. But especially today, we have something that has never happened before in the history of this podcast. We have our first patrons. Um, I've been talking a lot about the Patreon uh, program. That's a way to help support this podcast for those who want to. Of course, all you ever need to do as uh, supporters is just listen and talk to people about it. But for those who want to help financially support, Patreon's a great way to do it. And we have the first people who've done it. Um, and I want to say a very public thanks to them. Um, first of all, to our very first patron. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. And if I'm not, please write in and let me know. Um, but Renee Ablen, um, Abelin. Um, you are our first ever patron. Thank you so very much. It's fantastic to have your support. I look forward to getting a personalized thank you out to you. Um, and also to Mary McCreary, who was our first supporter at the $3 level. Um, so to both of you guys, uh, both of you people, thank you so much for the support. Um, and for anyone else who wants to, we'll have information at the end and on our, uh, uh, show notes about how to join the, the Patreon today. Um, and that being said, I think this is going to be a really exciting topic to talk about, especially because it, really ties in very much to the topic we talked about last time, which is last week we were talking about the Jedi and the Sith and the, the different positions that they have on emotion, among other things. And that one of the things that they really sort of have a conflict over is whether emotion is a good thing or a bad thing, especially the emotion of anger. We didn't talk about that much last week, but it's something that certainly comes up all the time with the uh, the Emperor wanting to push Luke Skywalker to say, you know, Give in to your anger, give in to your hate, and that will turn you to the dark side. Um, and today we're talking not necessarily specifically about Star Wars. We're actually going to, for a superhero ethics podcast, actually talk about superheroes, something we haven't done as much recently. But we're going to be talking about anger. And what does it mean for anger to be a fundamental part of some of the characters who we love and talk about? And what can we learn from that? And and. How do we feel about the way our media portrays anger in both positive and, and very often in negative ways? And, and what does that sort of say to us in general about heroes and media and all that sort of stuff? So we got a number of different things to talk about. And I wanted to start out by throwing to you, Jacob, this general topic of anger itself. What, what comes up for you when we start talking about anger, especially in terms of people who are doing something with that anger as heroes? So, I mean... This topic is very loaded from from my perspective as as somebody who's struggled with with anger both himself and and with people in his life. But I do acknowledge, and I think it's important in our, that our stories acknowledge that uh, anger can be a powerful motivational tool to to enact to still enact positive change. But in and of itself, anger is often a uh, a sort of self-destructive influence. Uh, it is a sort of the easiest way uh, for us to express it. And I think it, it comes through in our stories because art imitates life, but it's this, there's this idea where, you know, when a hero gets angry about something, uh, it's, you know, if they're being like particularly heroic, if there's somebody that they're trying, that's trying to be painted in a overwhelmingly positive light, uh, what they're angry about is injustice right or yeah. or they're angry about uh so like racial injustice for example uh which i think 
you and I agree, like, I think it's okay to be angry about that. Like, I think that that's, that's healthy, right? That yeah, I'd go way beyond okay. I would actually say, like, it's a problem if you're not angry about it. Right, but, right, but, right. I, but I definitely understand where you're going, so go on. Right, right, right. So so that reaction is healthy, that that should inspire uh, a extreme dislike, right? Um, right. And so in in a lot of ways, like, the the inciting incident behind the anger itself sort of informs whether the anger is is i guess quote a good thing or a bad thing mm. uh and the way it's used in our stories sometimes it's it's the whole you know hero cocks their shotgun and says well now it's personal right and that's right. you know clearly the much more uh self-interested anger um usually against somebody who did something very bad still right because this is how superhero narratives work um but sometimes it is that is not acceptable, not on, you know, not in my city, not in my country, not in my world or, you know, not on my planet when we're talking about, uh, you know, people coming from outside of Earth and, and, and things like that. Um, but it's all centered around this uh, this feeling that something's something isn't right and the way they choose to react to it is to get mad. Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, great for motivation. So, like, it's very easy for us to connect with characters who get mad about something. Because, I mean, unless you're uh, completely serene, in which case, man, I applaud you. I wish I was more like that, but, you know, that's not the world I live in. Uh, you identify with those experiences. You've had those experiences. And so it makes the heroes more relatable. It makes them seem more human. Also, in that way, I like it. I think you make some really good points. I think you kind of sum up a lot of what I want us to make sure we talk about today. Um, especially because I, I've really gone kind of on a journey with this. Um, I am someone who grew up um, as a young person, seeing a lot of anger around me um, in my family, in my circles of friends, in, in sort of the world around me. And I, you know, when I was like eight or nine, you know, and not terribly philosophical, but to the little extent I could, I kind of really thought, you know, the Vulcans had it figured out because I sort of saw anyone who was using anger to me, what anger meant was a lack of perspective and a lack of control. You know, if you were angry at someone, you couldn't hear what they had to say, and so there's no way to, to have a dialogue. If you're angry at someone, you might do something rashly and lash out. And Star Wars was an incredibly important movie for me at that time because I really loved the sort of what I saw as the, the Jedi perspective of, you know, anger should always be restrained and controlled and that anger is the path to the dark side. Um, as I've grown older, I've ad adjusted on that somewhat. And I've come, and I think this came out somewhat in our Jedi-Sith conversation, but why I think it's such an interesting follow-up to this today. Coming to more of an understanding that anger can have a very useful place. Uh, as you said, anger at injustice. Anger at um, being able to understand that, like, things shouldn't be happening to you and it's okay to be angry about them instead of just accepting them. Like, there's a lot of good that anger can do, but to me, anger is a very double-edged sword. It's so easy for it to become out of control. Um, and I also think one of the reasons why this this topic for superheroes is so important is, at the end of the day, if you or I or someone else gets angry, we can do an awful lot of harm. But that harm is still restricted to the limits of, you know, what our human bodies can do. You know, I can say very hurtful words. I can punch people. I can hurt people. If God forbid, I got access to a weapon that 
by no sensible means should I have access to, I could I could kill a good deal of people. But what I could do with anger is still very strained compared to what Captain America can do when he's angry. Or when Tony Stark can do when he's angry. The Iron Man. You know, and I think part of why it becomes such an important topic is when you're talking about anger in superheroes, the idea of what happens when this person loses control becomes so much more of a problem, you know? Um, when Superman gets angry, that's much worse than when a normal person gets angry. And, and I think it's, there's a distinction you're drawing there that I think is so very important. And I'm, I want to thank you for, for articulating it uh, in that anger as an emotion, right? It's it's anger as an emotion is a thing that we all experience, right? And it's to deny your emotions uh, as the Jedi would would have us do, or as uh, certain philosophies would have us do, hasn't usually doesn't turn out very well, right? You end up burying and bottling, and then you get this very uncontrolled, wild reaction that you were trying to avoid in the first place. And that's the distinction I appreciate is you're is you're drawing a line between, you know. The, the emotion that you feel in reaction to something and how somebody uses that emotion, right? The actions they choose to take in their anger. Uh, because, for example, what you're worried about from Superman isn't that he's mad, it's what he's going to do when he's mad, right. right? Right? And that's so important. Uh, take a look at Wolverine, a perpetually angry, really anti-hero, but like that's kind of drawing a semantic. He's He's definitely portrayed as a protagonist in basically everything he's in um you know wolverine is is like mad all the time in a way that bruce banner even isn't uh and so but but for him you know wolverine takes action against those who are are usually those who are doing others harm sometimes for his own personal vendetta um and it's those different uh interactions that we judge right that we either say you know, that's fine or that's a problem. Right. Uh, and I think that's important uh, because it's, you know, it's acknowledging that anger itself can be a good tool, um, but at the same time shouldn't be the sledgehammer you use to, to I guess, man, metaphor's kind of getting away from me. It shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be the only weapon in your emotional arsenal. Yeah. I mean, I think... Um... Uh, Wolverine is actually a wonderful example that I'm glad you thought of. Because Wolverine, he's someone who obviously is angry. And I, we talk about um, when anger can be useful. I'm going to uh, get to that in a second because I think it's a very useful thing. He's someone who always has, at least as far as I've seen, always has control over his anger. Um, and there's always kind of interesting tension of, will this be the moment that he loses control? But as far as we can tell, he always does. And that's a big part of what he, you know, he never lashes out at the wrong people because he's angry. Um, so <clears throat> with that, let, let's transition a bit and start talking about some specifics. Um, we've kind of danced around it, but what are specific ways in which you think anger can be useful um, in general, but also especially from a hero? So, I mean, there's uh, there's obviously the, the righteous indignation, right? That indignation that, that we've talked about where, <clears throat> you know, somebody's, somebody's getting that reaction, that, that visceral reaction because of the grave injustice they're witnessing. Right. Right. Um, in that way, right? Like it's almost like they have to have that reaction, right? Or we don't believe it. We don't believe the story, and we don't believe their their motivations. Because if they're just all like, uh, "Beep boop, I do this because right thing do," uh, right. you know, that's that's not very compelling. But it also like 
it's not it's also not relatable and in some ways anger in those situations is like justified called for right that's what you should be feeling and that it drives you in those instances in the right direction uh that it's like i'm mad about this and so usually that's going to result in you wanting to do something about it you know yeah the drive to action is so important i think that's a really good point i think it, it, it is fitting that for a lot of our heroes it is anger at a situation that that really pushes them to uh to want to change things you know i mean batman is to me one of my favorite examples because We've talked before about Batman and ideas of vengeance and how for Batman it's always important that he's not angry at – my favorite versions of Batman are one in which he's not angry at Joe Chill. He's angry at the social system that led to a Joe Chill existing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still is clearly angry. He has control over that anger. But his anger at the system and his anger at the police failing to do anything is a big part of what motivates him and drives him. I think um, Wonder Woman, uh, one of our – uh, fans brought that up in um, uh, a post on our message group. Wonder Woman's a great example of someone else. You know, she she goes to the world of men and she's angered by what she sees. She's angered that the world of men encroached on Themyscira, and that's part of what drives her. Um, and so I think that's a really useful thing. I think another thing, though, and this is something in our real world as well, but I think it's also very true of heroes. I think one of the worst parts about being hurt about whether this is a personal thing or about like a, an oppression, a social justice thing is, it is easy to internalize that you deserve to be treated this way. That you being hurt in this particular way is just what's supposed to happen and it's not a big deal because you're not a big deal. And that can be incredibly damaging to self-esteem and there's been all kinds of studies about that in terms of oppression and how, how damaging that is. And so when someone else, especially a person in power, is willing to stand up and say, I see that you are being hurt, and I think that is so wrong that I am angry about that. To me, that's incredibly powerful. And I think I, like, I personally have had that recently on an individual level of something where I, I went through and got hurt by. I was having real trouble sort of articulating it as something that I could be angry about, and someone else, a good friend of mine, heard about this and was angry on my behalf. And that, that was really healing to me in a way. And I, I think that that's, um, Wolverine is actually a great example of this, you know. Wolverine, um, in, um, especially, thing especially of the, um, the, uh, Hugh Jackman portrayals in some of the early X-Men movies, you know, his encounters with, uh, Rogue, his encounters with some of the other young X-Men, young mutants, who don't really understand that the way they're being treated isn't okay, his being angry on their behalf, and Magneto being angry on their behalf, I think there's a real importance there of, you know, someone with that power being able to stand up and say the way you're being treated is wrong. And and to me, that's another way that anger is useful because it's it's a way of showing that these that the way you're being treated, not only is it not okay, but that it matters because you matter. Right. Yeah. And the the whole idea here, and, and it, again, I just I love the way that you're you're articulating this is that the emotion itself. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, and it's it's good to accept that, right? To accept the idea that some things are going to inspire these reactions in you, uh, and it's okay because they should. And in Wolverine's case, absolutely, he should be mad on their behalf, and he is. And it's it, that 
in and of itself is in some ways heroic because he's he's mad because other people aren't being treated the way that they should be right that shows that's that's like anger that's tied to compassion right to point back to a a point that we made god i don't even remember how many episodes ago uh where you can you can connect those two emotions uh those two um so sort of anger coming out of empathy right uh, and for me, that is that is very heroic uh, to be able to connect with other people and feel like feel on their behalf isn't right. Right. That's you're not like co-opting their emotions. You're feeling because what's happening to them is wrong to you. Yeah. Right. And I love that you're connecting anger to empathy, because I think the reverse, where it's anger out of self-interest, is often where I start to feel really problematic, especially because of my intense feelings about vengeance, you know, um, Paul and I, the earlier co-host, but also you and I have touched on this, that, you know, one of the things that really keeps Batman just barely on the side of being a hero, although he certainly can get very dark, very times, is that in, at least in most portrayals for him, it's not about vengeance, you know, and that in Mask of the Phantasm, uh, part of the animated, uh, the animated series becoming a movie, that's one of my favorite Batman stories because he's encountering someone who thinks they're doing exactly what Batman is doing, but they're acting out of vengeance. They're not acting out of anger about the evils to society. They're acting out of anger because their own family was hurt. I think it's the, the, the woman's father was killed. And, and that it's vengeance that drives them. And, and when we get more into um, how anger can be dangerous, we'll definitely go into that more. But I think it's an important point of that one of the things that really can make anger a righteous and useful thing is when it is coming out of empathy. When, um, and that can just be like, I was hurt and I know others are hurt like this, or it can be like watching the pain of others. But I think that anger, in part because, I guess, and I'll, I'll back up here one second, I think the other, the other thing that I think very much makes anger useful is when it's not directed at a person, mm-hmm. when it's directed more at a system, when it's more directed at an institution, when it's more directed, you know, like a specific racist has done something terrible and you want to hurt them. I get that motivation, and I think there's a lot of good in that motivation, but I think it has a lot of danger of going off the tracks. A particular racist has done something to you, and you are angry at institutionalized racism, and you want to fight institutionalized racism, that's an anger that I can get behind a lot more. And it's harder because it's a lot harder to focus. And I think part of what happens a lot is I'm angry at the system. Here I see this one individual person who's a representative of the system, so I'm going to take all my anger out on them. That's, I think, one of the areas that can get problematic. But when it is anger of empathy, anger of, you know, a larger picture, I, I think there's a lot of use there. Um, and, and I want to move on to the danger but and let you say what you're about to jump in with. But I would just say the other thing that I think is just, it's just on that kind of base level, I mean, adrenaline helps when you're fighting. Like, anger can be a good spike of getting fired up and getting motivated and getting um, – you know, I've done a lot of social justice work. And when I was going to do a march or a rally and I knew I really needed my energy to be up high, I would turn on right wing radio a little bit because I needed to get angry. I needed to get fired up to, to, to give me the passion and the energy to drive me into the fight. And granted, that, that this was social justice, nonviolent marching and, and activism. But even there, you still needed it. I can imagine even more so when going out to physically fight against injustice, to physically fight against those who want to do harm. That, that anger can be that motivating factor as long as it's under control. Right. Uh, all I wanted to say, and this was actually to a point you were making about Batman specifically, a uh, great character to talk about in this context. Uh, specifically, you mentioned about uh, Mask of the Phantasm animated series Batman 
and the idea about his his role his goals not being based around vengeance but being based around trying to to help and, and sort of fix society right uh, i found that particular comment to be highly amusing because the promotional materials for batman the animated series the the trailer you were getting when when it was airing on television had the character of batman saying i am vengeance i am the knight i am really batman. yep so and, and i th like your your view is correct what's interesting is because that is the persona that that bruce wayne as batman is trying to project to the criminals because he uses fear right yes so he's using the idea of vengeance to instill fear into them but his actual motivations even though they are centered around uh uh how much he dislikes what's happening in the city of gotham aren't actually vengeance focused so fascinating thing and i thought you might appreciate that that particular nugget uh i watched it when it was on tv and it's the only reason i know that those were the promos no um, very much so i think it's a very good point but i mean it's a it's just a fascinating aspect about batman's character because he's he's so socially manipulative in a lot of ways that are very uh very interesting almost a uh, centauri in how he behaves uh to pull right. from babylon 5 uh but that segues actually a little bit into to anger being dangerous. Yeah, so so we're, I, I I definitely have some Batman thoughts on that as well as some others. But where do you want to start in terms of what what are some of the dangers that can happen with anger? So the first one I want to touch on because if I don't say this, I'm gonna I'm gonna regret it. Um, I think one of the biggest dangers of anger, specifically in our heroes, uh, is when it is the only emotion that our male heroes are allowed to show. Yes. Um, and so like as a like speaking in a meta sense as a tool for writers to to incorporate into their narratives, it's dangerous when that's the only emotion that we see that character portraying. And I mean, we, we're going to talk about Punisher season two when we get uh, just Plummer back on. So I don't want to get into it right now, other than to say one of the things I really appreciated about, about Punisher season one was that we got to see more emotions out of Frank Castle than just his anger. And like, that's so important and yeah. it's very dangerous to portray uh, male characters as the only emotion they can ever express is being angry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And in a little bit, we're going to talk more about um, gender and race and how those play into it. Because I think the, that is very problematic. And the flip side is how much um, women and, you know, not people who are not men, are not allowed to show anger the way men are. Mm -hmm. And that's just as problematic, if not more so. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that that's a really good point as the emotion. I think for me, and we, 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 we hinted at this, and we just kind of got it explicit now, the single thing that I find most dangerous about anger is the way it can become all-consuming. And this is, um, I, I mentioned some of this and kind of want to go into more detail of it. it. It's why, at the end of the day, I am more in favor of the Jedi than the Sith. And even like, the, I mean, obviously the Sith are genocidal, you know, maniacs, but like even putting that aside, like just in the pure philosophy, to me, what I see when people give into anger is that they start to be angry at the wrong people or angry for the wrong reasons. You know, the whole, like the characters we know of who are like the most, especially like if you see a villain who is just lost in their own anger, you know, shoot the messenger becomes their like absolute thing that they do. Um, you know, someone not giving someone a chance to explain or to give context, but simply being angry at them. Um, to me, that's an incredibly dangerous part. And, and, and especially because 
And I think this happens with superheroes and it happens with like online Twitter conversations. When you become angry at someone, it's easy to start dehumanizing them. Mm-hmm. It's easy to start seeing them not as Joe Chill, a person with a mother and a father who had a life that up to the point where the, where they pulled that trigger and did this terrible thing, but they are simply the person who killed your parents. And that's all they are and that's all they'll ever be. Um, and I, I, I say Joe Chill and obviously Batman, I think for the most part, with the exception of some stories, you know, resists that urge. Um, but certainly for a lot of our heroes, the Pun- Punisher, absolutely, although I don't even call Punisher a hero anymore. But with a lot of our characters, that is where they come from. You know, Daredevil does that to some extent with Kingpin. Um, a lot of our characters become, to me, there's just something so dangerous about becoming so angry that you stop being able to humanize someone. Yeah, and it's it's one of the biggest dangers, I think, out of anger as a motivating factor. And we see it both in heroes and in villains. And in villains, it's like, sort of expected right when kingpin got mad in season one of daredevil uh you know he you know decapitated people with car doors like it's clearly not very healthy expressions of anger um because you know we're not we're not behaving in a way that is that is profitable long term right it does and that that's a big part of it is that like when you're reacting in anger right when you're when you're in acting impulsively based in the emotion of anger, it is very, very easy to ignore uh, what ignore everything else around you and just focus in on what specifically you're mad about and what those sources are. It's very primal in that way. It, it is. Yeah. It becomes a lot more like a survival thing, right? Where yeah. you're when you're angry in that moment, all you see is like this is a threat to my continued well-being in this case emotional well-being is 100 percent part of your continued well-being and so i'm going to eliminate this threat yeah i think that's really good especially you said something about sort of short-term and long-term perspective and i think that that's really key you know that part of what happens with anger is when you really get lost in anger like that you stop being able to see anything beyond the short term you know the the thinking about like this will give me uh this will make me feel better in the moment, but long term it's gonna be disastrous. Like that 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 doesn't work, you know? But but when you're that angry, that's absolutely where it can take you. Um I, I think another thing with anger that I think is important is the way it can also allow a person to change their morals, to change their sort of ethical stance. Um a lot of our heroes have codes of some kind. Sometimes they're explicitly sated, sometimes they're um you know, they're, they're just sort of um, what they believe, even though they, they, they don't explicitly state them. But if you watch the movies or the TV shows or the books, you can get that sense. And I think anger is often what can leave someone to, to challenge those things. Um, and I'm going to give an example from, uh, I think a subject we've talked about before, although it's not quite the, the superhero genre, but I think very close, um, Harry Potter. Um, and I posted about this in the, the superhero ethics group, and I think it, it, it uh, bears repeating again. You know, our heroes in the super in the Harry Potter books have been told again and again and again that the unforgivable curses are things that are never to be used. Um, you know, the Cruciatus curse, the Imperius curse, and the Avada Kedavra. Um, ooh, a pet just died. Oops. Um, <laughs> but the um, there's a moment in the Harry Potter books when one of the Death Eaters is incredibly rude to Professor McGonagall. He spits in her face, and just out of nowhere, 
without any thought to how he's revealing himself or giving things away or any of the long term, Harry uses the Cruciatus curse to just punish this person because he's so angry at them. And it's presented in kind of like that he did something heroic but dumb, which to me always bothered me in the books because I have trouble even seeing it as heroic. But it absolutely is dumb. And it absolutely is a moment where Harry, you know, goes Gryffindor and lets, lets his immediate emotion get the best of him, where he not only puts himself in a worse situation, but he violates the code that he's supposed to believe in. You know, he's supposed to be one of those who believes you don't cross this line. And in that moment, he is so angry about his mentor, Professor McGonagall, being harmed that he crosses the line without again thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, very easy to do that because, as you uh, so eloquently put it earlier, when you're angry, it is very easy to dehumanize everyone that's everyone that is a source of what you think is wrong yeah. in the world, right? They stop being people. They start being objects, objects that need to be dealt with, right? And yeah. that sort of <clears throat> that sort of perspective is it's a trap to fall into, and it's one of the reasons why it's important to channel anger appropriately. Mm -hmm. And when we see heroes channeling their anger in healthy ways, that's fantastic. Uh, right. I think it is also. I mean, I want to be fair to uh, to writers everywhere, basically that. I think it's completely reasonable to have portrayed Harry, specifically Harry Potter in that moment, in that way, because that is a very human thing to do, right? right. To screw up real bad because in that moment you just couldn't handle it, right? Oh, yeah. And not to get lost in Harry Potter because we're going to do a um, Harry Potter episode at some point. And that one is going to have language that is a little more child friendly because we've had some younger fans um, who don't listen to this show for the most part, but have requested we do a Harry Potter episode. But just on Harry Potter at this moment, to be clear, I think it is good writing that Harry crosses that line. I think the problem is that no character is ever later like Harry crossed a line that's not okay. Um, that that that's more my objection in that moment. But but I think your point is well taken that it's a demonstration that that's what can happen. Um, we can go we can stay on this one topic forever. But but I, I wanted to make one other quick point, and this is something that I know we're going to get into another later episode. But I think it's one one particular thing that I see heroes do with anger a lot that just drives me crazy, which is when the hero is trying to get information, and they are frustrated and angry that the person they're talking to either won't give them the information or can't give them the information. And they take that out by physically torturing the person who they're trying to get information out of. Um, Arrow did this all the time. Batman does it a good deal of time. Daredevil does it all the time. Um, and it's always presented as like, this is a legitimate way to get information out of people. And like I said, we'll do a whole other episode on torture some other time. But it, 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 to me, is one more example of the thing that anger can do. Because I think in a lot of times, that's an example where your anger isn't just at this one person. Your anger is that you need this information and you can't get it. But now you have this very convenient target right in front of you. And so you're going to hurt that person out of anger as a way of dealing with your anger instead of trying to fix the problem. I think Hollywood in general needs to get over this fiction that torture works and is effective yeah. and also needs to get over this fiction that torture is ever justified. And that's what I'm going to say on the matter for now. Yeah. Like I said, we'll do a whole podcast on that. Um, so we've talked a bit about um, uh, the next, the next topic we're going to touch on was anger is vengeance, but I, th I think we've covered that pretty well. Is there anything else you want to say on that or do we need to move on? Uh, no, we've got a lot to cover. So uh, yeah. as much as we could, 
like I could bring up 15 other characters to talk about, but yeah. we've got other stuff to say, so let's let's move on. So the next thing that I wanted to touch on was um how much do you think part of the problem here is getting kind of meta that from a Hollywood perspective, like portraying anger it works a lot better on screen. You know, a person sitting down and rationally doing a cost benefit analysis decide if they should put on the suit and um go out and fight crime that doesn't put butts in the seats the way watching an actor's face as they just see the vengeance and something snaps and they have to go and fight injustice like how much do you think that hollywood bias colors the fact that so often we see not only that anger is a bad thing but that almost every hero to some extent is motivated by anger well so stories are for people right and people connect to people and so like i think that it's a significant part of it because you're right a, a story where we get like the the quintessentially perfect rational hero and how like we we see them like analyzing every situation and doing a full cost benefit and and you know going well this is how i do the most good in the world that's boring as shit and i ain't watching yeah. it and you're not watching <laughs> it and the american people aren't watching it and the people in europe aren't watching it and like i, I probably watch it because i love procedurals but yeah that's i'm <laughs> very much a minority I, no i think that's a bad procedural matthew like look <laughs> at all look at literally every procedural you've watched and tell me that there aren't people with emotions on the screen at all all times like i mean vulcans were pretty darn popular but again moving on spock was de first of all every vulcan has emotions uh and secondly spock had emotions and yeah anyway these uh, are some fighting words but again we're, we're gonna move right along <laughs> spock literally has emotions he he sees jim alive right after a muck time anyway <laughs> so clearly that's a topic for another episode um but uh yeah so like Anger is, I don't want to call it a cheat, because I actually think that's completely unfair to the hardworking writers in Hollywood. It is, it is easy to sell a motivation based in anger to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is so easy for, as if we feel what the character is feeling, then we are on board with what they're doing. And it is very easy to get the audience mad about something that happened. Um, there's this, you know, there's this constant kind of tired trope of somebody's about to be a victim and the hero comes to, to save the day and like beats up on the bad guy and is all like, you you know, they deserve to get beaten up and we're on board with it because that person was <clears throat> like completely evil. And it's very easy to just see a very black and white painting there uh, because the uh writers the, the the director they got us mad about the same thing that the hero is mad about and so we're connecting with them in that moment very easy to incite that reaction um yeah. you can incite other reactions too right um but like it's harder to get on board with most of most of the action that heroes are going to uh take when we're connecting with their sadness right or when we're connecting with their joy uh so in a lot of ways it's it's a it's almost an unnecessary shortcut that there has to be something going wrong for our hero to to interact with and oftentimes the reaction to that something going wrong from them is going to be some kind of of indignation if not anger yeah i i think you're right i, I would add i i think i'm less 
I'm less okay with it than what you're talking about. Like, I wish Hollywood would push further and try to get more heroes motivated by things other than anger. But I agree that, it, like, as you said, I think it's a cheat and it's a very easy one. And it's, it's one of the easiest ways to portray. And I think part of that is, and this can be both a positive, but I think most often is a negative about anger. Anger doesn't need much nuance. You know, mm. like, a lot of things, for a lot of other motivations for superheroes... You need a lot more nuance, and I feel like that's part of why the, the Netflix shows have been so so good, because or even any other show, because when you've got you know twelve hour long episodes, you have much more time to explore a nuanced, complicated reason why someone decides to join the fight. Anger is a lot simpler. You see something bad, something inside of you snaps. You go out and hurt the people who are doing something bad. Um. And like I said, that's not always a bad thing. There's there's something pure about that sometimes, um, and righteous. But I think it's it, it's a problem, especially when it's just the one that we see so often. Right. Um, I mean, we, and, we see very few examples, uh, counterexamples. There's there's Newt, right? Newt Scamander from uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yes. As as a like, the only major counterexample I could think of where it's just somebody who like I don't think he ever got mad in that movie, right? <laughs> But he's doing the right not thing. Not really. I mean, certainly not in the kind of ways we – never in a, like, mm -hmm. I am so mad that I need to, you know, go smash people. Right. Exactly. But he's still being heroic. He's just like – Right. But it's that. It's so rare. Um, And I think it's because they – like, it's harder to do. It's much harder to write then. It's much harder to get the audience to engage with it. Yeah. And I think and, – and, and this actually is a good lead into our next topic because I think – one of the other things that I think is really important to talk about when we talk about anger is who is it okay to talk? Who is it okay to be angry? Because um, one, I love so many things about the Netflix shows, but there's one thing that recently has really bothered me. And this is one where um, um, I'll talk about this one, but I think this is a great example, but this happens a lot in other ways. You know, again and again from Marvel and especially from Marvel Netflix, we see characters getting angry and that being a good thing. You know, Daredevil's angry at what Kingpin is doing that goes out and drives him. Iron Fist is angry at things he sees happening to his neighborhood. It goes out and drives him. There's one character and just some, ex there's some extent to which Daredevil's anger gets him in trouble. But the one character we see who his anger is a real problem and he loses a relationship because of it and people stop trusting him because of it is Luke Cage. Uh-huh. And... And maybe this was intentional. You know, the more I think about it, it's probably intentional by the writers. But I think, like, I'm glad they did it in Luke Cage, but I wish they'd shown us more things in other shows so that it didn't seem so stark. Because the message you wind up getting across is, it is okay to be angry as a superhero unless you're a black man. Because there is so much more societal fear of a black man losing control. You know, the angry black man is a, is a, and the angry black woman even more so are such stereotypes and such things that people fear without any good reason. And, and I think it also ties into what you were saying about um, ge gender, you know, in terms of the, the flip side of it being men who it's okay to get angry. Right. Versus. You know, yeah. I mean, like Wonder Woman does get angry, but that anger is very controlled. Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones gets angry and she's shown as being this complete social, you know, a, a complete social mess. Because her anger and her depression, her PTSD are driving her into alcoholism and all these things. Like, um, and I'm, and I'm racking my brains. If you have any, or if audience, you can think of any, 
I would love to think of more black or, or women characters or, you know, characters of color or non-male characters who are allowed to be angry in a way that's portrayed as a good thing and not a moral flaw in them. Right. I, I mean, I can't think of any. Uh, I, it's, and it's because of the problem you're pointing out, although I will say, if you recall, I messaged you while watching Daredevil Season 3 uh, saying, wow, uh, I'm really enjoying the show about uh, Matt Murdock, who is a villain. Uh, because because his anger was like toxic and problematic right and like right. was not getting me to appreciate or or buy into what the character was doing um but i think uh as you and i talked about at the time that is like we, we were supposed to connect with that we were supposed to be all like mm, yeah okay we, we see where he's coming from kingpin does have to go down and, and whatever right. um but like it, it is different when <sighs> It's portrayed differently for uh, characters of different genders and, and characters of different races, and I don't think it should be, right? And yeah. part of that is the audience reaction, right? Um, I thought, especially, like, one of the reasons I hated Iron Fist Season 1 so much was because Danny Rand was completely out of control yeah. uh, and was just, you know, so angry all the time and was just, like, this sort of petulant child character. And I was all like, God, just get over yourself, um and like the reason why i enjoyed iron fist season two so much better and we were originally going to talk about iron fist season two was he was starting to actually deal with some of the consequences of his anger and like trying to find a better way and of course that better yeah. way is he's no longer the iron fist which is the best <laughs> out the best of all possible outcomes as far as i'm concerned but uh i think that's a great example because like you know daredevil the first one you brought up I agree with you. I think his anger there is just as toxic, if not more so, than Luke Cage's. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if the writers know that. And I don't think you know, they... Well, the, the writers, I think, portray it as toxic, but they don't portray it as the rest of the character. The rest of the characters seem a lot more able to forgive him than they, are, than they were Luke Cage. Well, um, we don't see a scene with Matt Murdock where he's in, uh, you know, the, the private residence of himself and his love interest and punches a wall. Right, that yeah. is a clearly like very visceral, very intended as this is bad thing that they put in Luke Cage. They didn't put it in Daredevil. And you know what it is? We've been talking a lot about how anger is okay if it's under control. It's that the writers showed the only hero we've really seen lose control of their anger. I mean, Iron Fist definitely did, but that wasn't really the writers didn't seem to understand that. But the only one where I think the writers consciously were like, "Look, here is a hero losing control of their anger." is Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. um, and that really bothers me. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, we're going to talk about at some point more about uh, Punisher Season 2, I think a show that both you and I have very strong feelings on. Not, <laughs> most of them very not strong. positive in a lot of ways. Very strong. Um, and, and I will say, um, we have asked Jess Plummer to return and be our guest. I don't want to um, draft her. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I just so, like... We, we would love to have her as a guest. Jess, if you want to talk about some other topic, 100% okay. But I think The Punisher is another great example of this, where The Punisher is 100% driven by anger, is 100% driven by vengeance, personal anger in the, in, in the extreme. To some extent in season two, anger on behalf of someone else, but still not in any kind of systematic way. And at one point, this is a, a small spoiler for season two, so if you haven't seen it, maybe skip ahead 30 or 60 seconds, but I'll still try to be pretty vague. There's a point at which we're confronted with the idea that when Frank was so angry, he was fairly indiscriminate with where he shot and that he might have killed innocent people. 
And then in the next episode, the show says, nope, he didn't, so everything is fine and everything he's doing is okay. When for both seasons of Punisher, one of my biggest complaints has been, this man is so angry that he's acting out of control, he has no ability to regulate his anger and innocent people are going to get hurt. Um, and, and so that, that I, again, not to go too far into Punisher itself, but to me that's such an example of, you could never do that with a black superhero. I just don't think you could ever have that that plot line. And and I would love it if they could. Um, but um, I think the only way you can do that with Frank is because he's white. And to be clear, I think that the portrayal of these characters actually should be... So, like, I think that what they did with Luke Cage, they should have absolutely done as well with Matt Murdock and shown that, like, this is unhealthy, this is bad he's hurting the people around him like his behavior Matt Murdock's behavior in season three of daredevil especially in the early episodes completely unacceptable and nobody nobody takes him to task over it as right. nearly as much as they should and everything is forgiven at the end of it i have strong opinions about daredevil season three as well i didn't really <laughs> like it by the way because it still has wilson fisk and and yeah. <laughs> poindexter's character was great like there's a whole bunch of other good stuff about it but but yeah there's there's some there's some great a fucking bullshit that he's doing that Matt Murdock is doing out of these like out of these incredibly misplaced misguided and uncontrolled emotions uh many most of which are in fact anger and it's not painted in the light that it in the negative light that I I felt it should be right. um so we're already getting at some specifics Let, let's talk now about some more specific examples um I think when you think about heroes and anger the one that obviously first comes to mind is Bruce Banner and Hulk. Yeah, how um, can you not talk about Hulk when we're talking about angry superheroes? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so what's your take on this? Where do you see Hulk um, falling in terms of anger being useful or not useful? So Hulk is a, is a fascinating uh, character study on this because he's sort of the proof of concept for the angry superhero, right? His source of power, he, he enacts better physical change around him only when he's when he embraces his anger right yeah that's how the hulk works that's like his core thing and like one of the things i really loved about the um about the incredible hulk television show back in the uh what did that run in the 70s i want to say yeah um yeah the, the the one with the outro where he's like walking along the highway to sad music all the time because he's always alone because his anger <laughs> pushes people away right i loved that whole thing where he's like he gets keeps getting put in these situations where he gets angry loses control and you know ends up uh ends up fixing some problems but can't stay because you know the because his anger is a damaging force and he knows it right and so i think like most representations of the incredible hulk uh have that sort of awareness that uh, because his character centered around anger, they have to address that it's a problem, right? And I like it because I like the character because they do that. They sh they show you both sides of it. It's like yes, he's very powerful when he's embracing this, and it's not all good, uh, particularly when yeah. it comes to collateral damage. And I, I think that's a great point. And I also think um, it's funny I hadn't thought of this this moment, but I think Hulk, especially in the Avengers demonstrates another sort of very important check on anger where I feel like if this check exists, then I'm more okay with anger, which is accountability. Mm -hmm. Like part of the problem is like, you know, 
Darth Vader and Kylo Ren, you know, they get angry and they lash out and they kill the closest person to them. Although I think Darth Vader is much more under control of it than Kylo Ren. But either way, like, it's because they're at the top of the food chain for the most, for the most part. Hulk is with a group of people who kind of give him permission to be angry. You know, the fact that, like, the team says, like, Hulk, we need you to get angry now. It, it's kind of a, like, he's not, Bruce Banner slash Hulk is not the one making the decisions out of what to do when he's angry. Um, especially because when he does get, let himself get too angry and it does get out of control and he's hurting the wrong people, they have built in systems to calm him down. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, um, uh, many years ago, Paul and I did an episode about, um, Ultron where we talked about how really kind of problematic some of the stuff that, that, um, Black Widow does around that is, um, but still, I, I do think that there's a really helpful message in the Hulk as part of the Avengers of that kind of – like having someone who can get that angry is okay when you have someone else who's going to be more rational and able to kind of be like, okay, either uh, – yeah, Hulk, get angry, go smash, or Hulk, calm down. Um, right, if you can talk him down off of that ledge after after he's been able to use that to great effect because that's the source of his power, right? then you get to, you get to both have and eat cake. But – if you know they're if he's going to go off the rails for any period of time now you've got to do damage control and yeah. so that's where the tension with the character of, of bruce banner lie lies is that if if he's unchecked he's very very dangerous um and like when we see these sort of like perma hulk renditions right like he is in uh um what is that thor ragnarok yeah thor ragnarok's where we see perma hulk um and it's sort of just this like he's he's sort of taken over but it's because um he's sort of like the hulk himself is come becoming a more complex character right and it's not just this very one-dimensional only when bruce banner is angry thing Uh, and i think that's very interesting too that there's more to explore there um definitely so I think, like, when you're talking about an angry superhero, this is why, like, Bruce Banner slash the Hulk is the, like, most, one of the most interesting ones to talk about because you it's very easy to just lump him into the, oh, he's somebody who's just angers out of control. But actually, if you, if you do a character study, if you analyze how the character interacts with the world, how he tries to put checks on himself when he can, like, is a good example of somebody like realizing they have a problem and trying to do what they can to manage it. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's at all coincidental that, you know, later in Thor Ragnarok, um, the movie where he is sort of stuck in perma anger. Um, first of all, remember that like he was non-consensually pushed into his anger, Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in Ultron when, um, uh, 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 um, when, uh, black widow, Basically, sort of, he was like, I don't want to Hulk out, and she kind of forced him to. And then he's stuck in permanent um, Hulk mode for, for years, it seems. Certainly a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then later in that movie, he can't Hulk out. Um, even into um, uh, the next Avengers movie, he still can't Hulk out when he wants to. And and I I thought that was a really important scene, because I think that that, it, it goes to like, to me at that point now, Bruce Banner has really been very scared about what happens when he hulks out and where that can take him and how easy it is to lose himself entirely and not be able to come back. And I think there's something really powerful about like, even though Bruce at some point doesn't want it, 
that on some extent Bruce is kind of now self-limiting himself and saying, I used to believe that with my friends and with everyone else, it was safe to Hulk out because they could help make sure I didn't do the wrong things. I don't have that safety. I don't have that trust anymore. And that's part of why I can't ever let myself give in to that anger. Mm-hmm. And I also um, enjoy the uh, the portrayal of so the sort of humanization of the Hulk that we see in, in Thor Ragnarok. That, like, this is still a person. It's yeah. not just, like, this this um singular emotion of Bruce Banner that the Hulk himself is an individual with his own, like, subset of feelings. And it's it's very touching. Uh, moving on, though, because we have uh, yeah. several other portrayals, uh, specific examples we can discuss. Uh, one that you mentioned, actually, yeah, uh, earlier. Luke, let's, Luke let's Cage talk about is one we Cage. talked about a lot, and we, we talked about how the, the kind of racial portrayals of that and how they're... Um, Again, not that it's bad that it happens in his show, but that it's bad that it's happened in others. But I will say to me, Luke Cage is also, I think, one of the best examples of that kind of righteous anger on behalf of everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke is getting angry on behalf of black people in Harlem, on behalf of people who no one else wants to stand up for, on behalf of people who are being abused by the cops. And I think both on screen in terms of the characters in Luke Cage's world and off screen in terms of like the people who watch that 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 move that show um i think that's one of the best parts about luke cage's anger is that it has this effect of everyone else being like wait a minute yeah this it's not okay what's happened to me luke cage is angry about it so i should not i should be upset about it too right and sometimes he channels that against uh other people in harlem uh but it's he uses it sort of instructively in that way which which is sort of heartening as well where where he's you know he's sort of making them challenge what what they think of of their world and what they think can't change um so like yes we saw a a problematic portrayal of his anger in luke cage season two that doesn't mean every part of luke cage's anger is is a problem right Right. Uh, and a lot of the ways that he uses it are useful and and good and and for a for a good cause for a good reason um and like he's an example of and again like i know i I mentioned it when we talked about luke cage season two but i'm gonna bring it up again because it's like the best danny rand i've ever seen was actually on luke cage not in any iron fist but it's when he's trying to help luke cage understand it's not about controlling your anger it's about understanding yourself right and about and so like that's a distinction i always like to draw because like the idea of of controlling your anger right that's something that uh can lead to that sort of like bottling and then and then those big outbursts but it's just far more important to understand where it's coming from and direct it appropriately right and i think all that speaks to the thing that i keep going back to which is control you know it's that when, when you're directing your anger when you're choosing the time to be angry um, you know, that, that's such a difference. Um, and I think that's a perfect lead into the, the next example we want to talk about, which, which, which I've brought up a couple times, but I want to hear more of your thoughts on, which is the Jedi and the Sith. Um, you know, because I think, as I've said, I think they both go to the wrong extreme. The, um, the Sith are, <clears throat> let your anger flow through you to the point where you're not even thinking straight and you're killing it kind of indiscriminately. The Jedi are never get angry about things, and so hold yourself in check and restrained, and thus never really do what you need to do. Um, what, what's your kind of take on how the Jedi and the Sith see anger? And they're both wrong. Um, the Sith are wrong because the Sith also conflate anger with hatred, and yeah. in this way, the Sith have it completely wrong. 
Hatred is something far more toxic and far more prone to problems. Um, because that is, you know, sort of that that's a kind of directed anger that's that's poisonous. That is that is uh that creates these very like I ain't never seen hatred be a good thing. Um yeah. right? It, and the the Jedi, I feel, are wrong because they want you to deny uh, when you're angry, which means that you can't get righteous about something, right? You can't be upset about injustice because what is that going to be? Like, what this? They expect them people to have this cold, calculating again. Beep boop. That is wrong. I will now fix. Yeah, nobody works that way, up to and including Yoda, right? right. So, like, who are they fooling? Uh, all they're doing is making Dark Jedi. I I think you make a good point, and I would say I'm more on the side of the Jedi because I feel like the Jedi at least are aware of the dangers there. Um, I I think think you made a very important distinction between anger and hate. But I go back to, you know, to me, one of the the sort of chief things that Yoda and the the Jedi teach is how much anger can lead to hate. That hate Mm -hmm. is kind of the unchecked, uncontrolled, you know, examination of anger. Um, and so I'm more on the Jedi side in that, but where I think you're right, the Jedi are wrong, is that because the Jedi say to never feel anger at all, what they don't teach you is how to feel and keep your anger under control. And I think right. that's that's what makes the Jedi so easily manipulatable and, and so easily turnable by the Sith, is that, you know, when when someone like Luke Skywalker feels anger at, at, Luke, at his father, at Darth Vader, or at Emperor Palpatine, he, he doesn't know what to do with it. And so he comes close to joining the dark side and, and he's able to use his willpower to sort of pull back from that. But the Jedi don't teach that, you know, to me, what would make so much more sense is to say, look, anger is so debilitating. It can be so dangerous. It can be so destructive, but a, it can also be useful and B, you're never going to be able to avoid it entirely. So here's how to be a Jedi who holds their anger in check, who directs it, who's in control of it. Um, instead of what they do of saying, just deny it entirely. Right. It, like to, to take Yoda's lesson directly from Empire, like he said as an absolute, because Yoda's clearly a Sith, uh, that fear leads to <laughs> anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Now, I'm 100 percent on board with him on hate leads to suffering. And that is a like unidirectional. This is going to happen situation. Right. But I don't think that's right. I, that is definitely not true for anger leads to hatred. I think the correct statement would be anger can lead to hatred, and that's the that's where I think the Jedi philosophy falls short, is right. not understanding that anger leads to hatred only by choice, right? If if you know what I'm getting at there. Mm. Uh, How so? Because I feel it's the opposite. I feel like anger, anger is an easy slippery slope into hate unless you're intentionally choosing to restrain it and to, to not go in that direction. Well, so I mean, I guess I'm presuming agency in all in all of these situations. You're you're right that like if you are, are if you already have a predisposition, right? If if what you're angry at or who you're angry at, uh, is it it's a specific thing pointing to a something you brought up earlier that was an excellent point of like if you're angry about a a large injustice, um, it's harder for that to become a directed hatred. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're angry at a person, yeah, then then that is easier to slip into the hatred. So I guess like I'm a bit wrong in what I said uh, there, because you're right. If if your anger was uh, was focused already, then the the non choice path, right, is is hate. And the one where you would have to actively choose uh, is to avoid hate. 
right? right? I was thinking about it in the other direction, where if I'm I'm angry about what's wrong with the world, uh, it's for me I feel like it's a choice to turn that into hate toward like a specific class of people or a specific uh, government or a specific. Right. Uh, as opposed and I still to... think anger can lead to hate, even in those situations. When it be and, and that's the kind of like when you you're angry at the system, and then you start to dehumanize the people who are part of the system. Right. Um, but I think you're also right that it, in that there is some degree of not even choice, but of there is a sort of ability to hold yourself from letting anger become hatred. But it's that I, I, I guess because the one place I really push back on is when you were saying like I'm having agency. I think for me, one of the biggest dangers of, of anger is that it can take away your agency. Um, yeah. Okay. And again, That's this is maybe fair. a very Jedi perspective I have, and the Sith would tell me I'm totally wrong. But to me, I feel like when you're so angry that you just want to lash out, that you just want to hit the first thing you can, that you're just sort of so wrapped up in anger that you're not thinking straight, you're not thinking beyond 10 minutes from now, I'm not sure I can say that's a person who has full agency in that moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean... I both agree and disagree with you. Uh, that so th- that is a definitely a longer conversation. But I guess where where I'm coming from is that we can. It's very easy to deceive ourselves into thinking we don't have choices to make when we're in the throes of anger, for example. Where it's like, oh, I just saw red and I couldn't control myself. And like, I'm not. A hundred percent on board with that idea. I think that there is some, for some people, that that is the case, right? And that's like so because some people, um, I'm specifically referring to there are certain mental health conditions where where this is the case, right? Right. Um, but I, I guess I subscribe to uh, a philosophy where you, you do have a choice, right? And just because it is much easier to embrace the anger and, and fly off the, the rails or, or, or lose control doesn't mean that you didn't make a choice there. Mm. Yeah, I, I think there we kind of uh, see it a little differently. Um, but, I, but I will say, and, and, and taking more into the Star Wars example before we move on to the next one, I think a kind of illustrative case of, of maybe what both of us are talking about is Darth Vader versus Kylo Ren. Because, mm, mm-hmm. you know, in Empire, Vader is obviously... He's mad at his subordinates, but mostly he's mad at the Emperor. He's mad at his inability to find Luke. I mean, he is so frustrated about everything. And so what he does is he says, okay, let me find out who is in control of the latest mistake. Let me summon that Admiral into my office or into the hollow screen and kill them. Whereas, and, and it is a- anger and he's lashing out, but it's still in a very controlled, measured way. Kylo Ren gets angry and just starts breaking everything in front of him. Um without any conscious thought, without right. any decision of, you know what, this control panel is expendable, but this other one is more harder to replace, so I'm only going to destroy this one. Kylo doesn't have any of that. And no, I guess he's... to me that's where I see Darth Vader as having agency. I'm not sure I see Kylo Ren as having it. Right, right. Kylo Ren is throwing a temper tantrum, right, every yes. time. Let's let's not put too, like, I'm not going to put too fine a point on him. He's, he's being a child. Um, Vader, ex- with one exception... I agree with you. Uh, I think the boardroom scene in A New Hope where uh, I forget who the throwaway character is who's, like, dunking on the Jedi religion. Um, oh, yes, your, your old sorcerer's ways. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's just Anakin Skywalker in the black suit being all like, you know what? You know what? You you specifically are making me mad. It is well, very but... controlled and measured, but it's not... I'm not going to sit there and say that that was a calculated decision on his part. I, I think it wasn't, except for the fact that he doesn't kill him. Like, I think Kylo Ren 100% kills the person in that situation. Um, and... His ability... Vader doesn't kill him because Tarkin tell Tarkin specifically instructs him not to. Right, that, that's also true. Anyway, uh, that's again, very yeah, let's move Star off Wars of Star specific. Wars to go into the next one. Um, I, I feel like we've talked a good deal about Batman. Um, and we're, we're a little short on time, so let's talk about Sp Superman. Um, and Kingdom Come. Um, what's your take on Superman being angry? So, uh, that is incredibly terrifying, as we as we discussed when we were talking about uh, the Kingdom Come comic, because. I don't know if you know this, uh, Superman's real powerful yes. and uh, very difficult to stop. Uh, the only person who's who's actually managed to foil him is this like brilliant evil mastermind who has a lot of money and power and is human, so Superman doesn't want to kill him uh, by the name of Lex Luthor. Uh, yeah. And so like when Superman is angry and is acting, is acting out of that anger and that anger is directed at humans which is what happens in kingdom come in basically in non-meta humans so in just like fleshy squishy humans like you or i it right. is terrifying right because like what can you do against that you can't fight him he's he's superman like the only thing you, you can try to do is reason with him do you think it's fair to say because this is sort of what Superman, and some extent Luke Cage, and some of the other heroes like Captain America, but especially Superman. Part of where I'm coming to, and I think I think this, but I'm not sure if I fully believe it. I'm giving you the chance to talk me out of it. That the more power you have, the more responsibility you have to hold your anger in check. Uh huh. Because yeah. there's that extent to which, like, <clears throat> as you said, a temper tantrum, like a four-year-old having a temper tantrum, isn't very pleasant for the parents. But at the end of the day, is not a very big deal. A Sith Lord like Kylo Ren having a temper tantrum, or a superhuman like near god like Superman, that person having a temper tantrum can just literally destroy all life on Earth. Um, so yeah, so what, what's your take on that idea that basically like the more power you have, the more responsibility to hold your anger in check you have? Oh, well, first of all, Kylo ain't no Sith Lord. He doesn't have a Darth title. Secondly, uh, man, I'm sure he's real happy about that. Uh, but yeah, secondly, I I, I agree. Um, the I think that's a it's a very good point that the more basically the the more power you have, uh, and this holds true to our leadership, right? Our our political leadership. The more power you have, the less you should be afforded the ability to just get angry and and you know make decisions based on on that sort of instantaneous uh, reaction. And the more we we and you yourself should hold uh, yourself accountable to having more measured responses and and being uh, more in control when you're doing things that exercise your power, right? Yeah. So like if Superman got angry in Kingdom Come and he like made the decision to pop off Earth for a while and just go like yell at the sun for an hour, right? That's fine. That doesn't scare me. 
that's completely okay. He like he's angry. He needs to get that out. He needs to get that out, and that would be a healthy way for him to do that, right? What he does, of course, is goes into the UN and like is about to kill a bunch of world leaders. Um, and that's you know, even in that moment, which is, you know, that that's a big test for Superman in that story. Like he just yeah. saw a significant portion of, for lack of a better way of putting it, his people be exterminated, right? Like that's horrendous, horrific. Of course he's mad. Um, and like again, as as we discussed then, like I think it's actually unreasonable to expect him to not be mad, and to not and to like control his reaction. But I think that you specifically, if you're in that position. The onus is on you to ensure that you you have that accountability. Uh, and Bruce yeah. Banner, getting back to the Hulk, he does this, right? This is something that's so good about a character who's centered around anger is that he has that that system of accountability and, and makes sure he has that. Right. Because it's a constant, ever-present problem in his life. He holds himself in place, and when he knows he can't hold himself in place, he tries to make sure others can do it for him. Yep, yep. And so, like, that's, interestingly, uh, Bruce Banner, better at managing... Bruce Banner, better at managing his anger than Superman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Well, yeah, I, I think it's true. And, like, part of what, like, there's, we've often talked about how Superman is kind of a parental figure. Like, taking that example of temper tantrum uh, a little further, you know, for a four-year-old to have a temper tantrum at their parent is completely acceptable. I, am at, I know enough people who are parents to know that you can get very angry at your child as a parent. For the parent to have a temper tantrum to the child is awful and quite often illegal and, you know, child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the more I think about it, the more I think that's another kind of good rule that we can get of, and Superman definitely helps to explain it, is, and this isn't fair to those who are in power, but, but power is privilege and privilege brings responsibility. Like, the more empowered you are, the, the more responsibility you have to hold that anger in check and, and to find it doesn't mean, again, to go Jedi on it, to not have any way to express that anger, but to find a place to express that anger. Yeah, to put it another way, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, I think it's true. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the... Um, and we, we were talking about how this was a hard thing to find, but but who are some examples of characters who um, do use anger in a positive way? We've talked about a couple, but let's kind of dive a little bit more into them. And I know um, one of our listeners, Meg Baum, uh, suggested someone who, again, is a little outside the, the superhero realm, but certainly is a hero uh, in these worlds, uh, who is um, Harry Dresden. Yeah. And I, I am not a Dresden fan myself, so can you talk a little bit about Dresden and his relationship to anger? Yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of, of Harry Dresden as a character. So he's a, he's a wizard. Uh, in He's a modern-day wizard. And so one of the things about magic in his world is that it is influenced by emotion it is informed by the emotions of the person who's practicing it and so he is ever ever presently constantly aware of his emotional state when he's performing his magic because if he does it if, if he you know basically mixes anger in there it is sort of this uh this kind of force user jedi mentality where like that will lead you down a dark road and right. so while he does, like, he absolutely gets angry. And there are many things that happen in Harry Dresden's life that make him justifiably pissed, right? It's not like a, a situation where, you know, he's this wizened old wizard. He's a wise cracking young wizard, but, you know, that, <laughs> that's different. And it's one of the reasons I love his character so much. Um, 
Uh, he's also a detective. They're mostly detective stories. You would love them, I think. Right. Uh, but the 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 thing is that when he is engaging with his power to a point that we just got done making, when he's engaging with his power, he is putting his anger in check. And when he doesn't, he pays for it. Yeah. Right. And that's just such a it, it, props to Jim Butcher on this because like when when he's ever, the author. Yes, Jim Butcher's the author. Whenever Harry is, uh, whenever whenever Harry is put into one of those situations and does fall a little bit, uh, you know, he's accountable. He holds himself accountable, and his friends hold him accountable, and it is beautiful. Um, yes. And so that, like, like again, he's not perfect, but it's highlighted that he's not perfect, and I think that's just a overall i think meg baum hit it right on the head is a great example of mostly a positive portrayal of somebody who engages with their anger without uh without it being you know the the sort of problematic punisher or or even daredevil the other these other portrayals we've said that that have issues we take issue with how they use their anger right yeah he's uh in a way a lot more like bruce banner than he is uh these other characters we've mentioned yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It makes more interesting reading those, those books. I think um, another one of our fans, um, uh, Leah Fee, um, she wrote in suggesting a couple. Bruce Banner, we've talked about. Wonder Woman, who we talked on briefly, but I wanted to kind of go a little deeper on. And she's another character who, and again, I, the way it's portrayed by gender, you, you wonder how it affects it. But although, I mean, certainly a- anger is very, very linked to toxic masculinity. So on the one hand, I want there to be stories where women are allowed to be angry, but I also think stories in which women have much more control over their anger actually make a lot of sense because they kind of demonstrate that um, that that's okay and that that um, that people who don't have toxic masculinity are going to be much more able to have control over their anger. Um, and I think in that way, Wonder Woman is a fantastic story because she's clearly driven by anger on all sorts of levels. But she's never in danger of losing control of that. And, and I, I think that there's something really powerful about that. And look um, at what she's angry about. She's angry about war. She's angry about injustice, right? She's she's angry about these these horrible weapons that people are using to hurt each other, right? These are good things to be angry about. These are things I get angry about, right? right. And she engages with it again in, the, in a very positive and, and I would say healthy way. Um I think uh, Leia also brought up uh, General Leia Organa yeah. as somebody who engages with her anger in uh, in positive ways. Um, and I think in part gender has a role in that as well because uh, – I hate saying this. Uh, we apparently we, – we have a problem and especially 20 years ago had a problem stomaching um, women who are angry on screen. But like, look at look at how she she uses her anger in the scene uh, when she's getting rescued, right? Yeah. Quote unquote, getting rescued, um, where she's just sniping at uh, the people around her. Like, totally fine, doesn't hurt anybody, right? But gets her point across, right? And is clearly somebody who is who is willing to use anger as a tool uh, in discourse and to drive drive dialogue. But when we see her engaging with violence, she's all business. Yeah. And, and I think that's very right, especially because I think um, it's not as much anger, but it is certainly emotion. The conversation she has with Poe in The Last Jedi, 
where she both is is yelling at him for letting his emotion carry him away and like destroy half their bomber force just to be able to destroy one big ship but also clearly she's angry at him um and i think her portrayal of anger i think leia faye was really brought up a great point because general uh, organa's use of anger in that moment she is clearly angry at poe she's clearly angry she wants poe to feel bad for what he did but she's also not trying to tear him down She's right. trying to reprimand him in a way that builds him up so that he can do better next time. Right. Um, and especially, I thought, so importantly, you know, the thing she's angry at him about is, like, as she says it so well, that he just wants to strap, jump into a cockpit and blow something up. And later, she, she uses that exact same line and tells him, go jump into a cockpit and Cock blow, and something, blow up. something up. Mm -hmm. and, and to me, that's such a great way of using anger because it's saying, <clears throat> I'm not angry at you existing. I'm not angry at you ever having this urge. I'm angry that this thing that you do that is sometimes good, you did it at a bad time because you didn't know when it was the right time or the wrong time. But now I'm going to affirm that it sometimes is the right time and tell you that exact same thing is the right time. To me, that's such a good use of anger, especially from a mentor, because it's a way of build, like building a person up instead of tearing them down. Yep. And the one time, the one time we see Leia use anger for her own personal advocacy and invoking violence, she's choking out Jabba the Hutt, and there is not a person on this planet who would deny her that. I don't yeah. think. There should not be. Like, that 100% justifiable homicide. I'm sorry. Jabba was a jerk. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, that, that's self-defense. That's all kinds of things. I think yep. you're absolutely right there. Um, One other, I know that uh, Leia also mentioned, I think is worth talking about, Um, again, fairly outside of our genre, except it's very geeky, is Commander Vimes from the um, oh, Discworld yeah. Night oh, Guard Vimes books. Vimes is so good. Um, yeah, I know. We are both huge fans of the Terry Pratchett books. They're they're beloved of geeks. They're, they're very funny, but I think often have a lot of truth in them. Um, what's your take on how Vimes uses anger? <laughs> so, um, it's hard for me to talk about uh, Vimes in any way without also bringing up Vetinari, but like... I like how – so what Vimes does is he channels his anger into this sort of uh, defeatist style of leadership where every time he's engaging with, with his uh, troops, right, with, with the Watch, which are the police force in the city that he's in, um, he uses his just complete disgust at everything that's going on to motivate his people. Right? right, and to give them that sort of positive spirit, and he uses it to like, you know, sometimes he does like, and this is kind of brilliant. He he does things that are not the best because he knows like that'll make carrot do what carrot what carrot wants to do, and that'll make carrot do the right thing, or or it'll, you know, uh, or it'll make veterinary mad, and so veterinary will step in. It's just like he's got. It's funny because he's not intentional i think in like any of his social play and yet the way he uses his anger isn't to punch people out but to, to but to influence how people choose to act and engage yeah i think that's such a great point especially because like he's so good at using his anger to inspire others and mm -hmm. i think this is something we haven't even touched on but that anger is very contagious and that can be you know malcolm x like giving a powerful speech about how angry he is at white America and inspiring other people to take action. Fantastic. Um, Hitler also was incredible. You know, Hitler using anger to inspire people to say, are you angry about the economy? Are you angry about national pride? 
well, it's their fault. It's the Jews. Like, those are two people who use anger to motivate people, one in very good, one in very terrible ways. Um, and, and to be very clear, I'm not in any way comparing Malcolm X and Hitler. Um, I'm, I'm putting Malcolm X very much in a positive light here. But, but I think that that's, Vimes is a great example of someone who knows that and who uses anger in a positive way. Um, and I also love that you brought up that both Vimes and his, the, the sort of the patrician of the city, his, his, you know, commanding officer, such as it were, Ventnery, um, they both use anger to motivate each other in some ways because Venteri to some extent understands he knows that sometimes Vimes will get angry at him for seeming to be irrational in how he rules the city. And that if he makes Vimes angry, nothing in the world will stop Vimes from figuring things out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the best way to motivate Vimes is to tell Vimes not to investigate something, to leave something alone, because he knows it'll make Vimes so angry that he'll be like a dog with a bone and nothing will make him let it go. And I just, I love that, like, using that anger to motivate someone else. Yeah, Ventinari is the, like, quintessential, like, mass manipulator character, just very, very good, masterful at at making people do things without them realizing that you're making them do them. And he's got Vimes' number, like, perfectly, and uses Vimes' anger uh, to help motivate Vimes to do things that he wants Vimes to do without Vimes knowing that he's having him do them until it's too late, and then Vimes gets mad at Ventinari. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, we're, we're almost at 90 minutes now, so I want to start wrapping up. Uh, Zuko is the one more we have on our list before we start to get into conclusions. Was there anything more you want to say on Zuko? Oh, so, like, I put Zuko on the list because... He's somebody who, like, we see his his full journey, right? Where when right. when he starts out, uh, we see Zuko. He's like completely consumed by his anger, um, and we see like his transition between like thinking he's angry at the world, or he's angry at the Avatar, and then he's angry at his father, and then like coming to the realization that no, uh, and this is during um. It's not Ember. It's not the Ember Island players, is but it is uh, when they're on Ember Island, right. um, coming to the realization that he's he's really just angry at himself and has been like for most of his adult life, um, or I guess his teenage life in this case because they're all super young, um, and it's just I think he's a, a fascinating character study in in somebody who starts who starts off being you know sort of really consumed by that emotion consumed by that unidirectional anger and slowly coming to understand where it's coming from and and being able to process it more effectively because of it right and and eventually being able to teach others about it from that perspective right and i think that's so useful especially because i i had not thought of this until you brought this up but now it seems so clear for so much of the show, and by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Zuko is one of the primary antagonists for the first couple seasons and then becomes more of a, a, a protagonist and an ally. And I think the moment he really becomes, he stops being the villain is when he becomes self-aware at his own anger. Mm-hmm. Because for so much of the show, he is so angry at his father, he's angry at his nation, he's angry at the whole world, and he's taking out all of that anger on the Avatar and the Avatar's friends. And there's a lot of complicated reasons for that, but, but I think as you stated so well, so much of it is misdirected anger. So much of it is, you know, not really being able to, to acknowledge to himself what are the actual things he's angry at. And once he is able to do that, 
almost immediately he stops being a villain. Um, I think there's a really powerful thing there of something we, we touched on but really didn't get into enough is that another one of the things about anger is how much anger is tied into self-awareness. Because when it is, anger can be righteous and good, but when it's not, so often anger is misdirected. Anger is at the wrong people or the wrong situation, and that's another place where I think it can go so bad. Yeah. Oh, God, I can talk for a long time about Zuko and his anger issues and how much I identify with that character. But uh, we should, as you mentioned, wrap up. Uh, yeah. So is there, uh, we, we've obviously talked a, about a lot of different angles on this. Um, anger's a very complicated emotion, and its use in our stories is is, is also very complicated and nuanced. Uh, but is there anything that you wanted to touch on uh, that, that we didn't get to cover in here or or a point that one of us made earlier that you wanted to, to clarify or dive into more before we start closing up? Um, I, I think I've said pretty much all I want to say for now. What, what about yourself? Are there any other last points you want to make? Same. I think I've effectively processed my anger. Uh, <laughs> can move yep. on to, to the closing. Well, and so the first thing I want to say is I want to kind of shift from anger into a very different emotion, which is gratitude, uh, which is I, I said a brief thank you to our two new patrons. Um, but I just want to say the gratitude I have just for our fan base in general, for our our patrons, for the people who are listening to this show, for the people who are you know, forwarding the show and talking to the show about others um, in the last couple of weeks uh, and months. But especially in the last couple of weeks, our, our our listener membership and our downloads are just going up and up and up. And it just, it, it makes my, it makes me so happy. When I think about all of the new people who have started listening, um, it just sends my heart to the moon. You know, I'm just so overjoyed about about that. And so I just want to say, like, what gratitude I have for, for all you guys, the fans. Um, and, and to ask you just to, you know, to keep, keep, keep doing that. I hope you keep listening. One thing that's been fantastic and got me so excited is we're starting to get more debate. We're starting to have um, some of our fans, Robin, Robin Lawson especially, but a number of you have started writing in and saying, here's something you agree with, or here's something you disagree with, or here's something you haven't thought of. Please keep doing that. Keep doing that on Facebook and on um, Twitter. You can find us at Superhero Ethics. You can find both of us also individually on, super, on Twitter, um, <clears throat> where I am uh, Caped Ethicist, and uh, Jacob is Bots Are People Too. Um, you can email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. Uh, you can find our Facebook group, which is really the best way, or just the Facebook page. There's so many ways to keep that conversation going. Um, and so I just want to say thank you to all of you for, for doing that. Thank you to um, to Jack Hess, as I've mentioned before, for all the stuff that um, he has done to create our music. Um, thank you to you, Jacob, and to Paul, who helped to get this podcast going. Uh, Jacob, do you have any uh, gratitude you want to share before we close out? Yeah, um, I just wanted to, I mean, obviously... I, I want to thank all the people that you're thanking. Uh, the the increased download numbers definitely do not fill me with mostly anxiety and dread. Uh, <laughs> and more people listening to my stupid ramblings. Uh, but no, no, we have more power, uh, so we have more responsibility. Oh damn it! Uh, <laughs> so no, no, seriously. Um, I, I joke a lot. I, I try to bring a, a level of humor to the show, but uh, getting real for a second. Um, I really appreciate the the more active engagement. I'm trying every time I see somebody uh, bringing something up on what on whatever platform it is to to engage with that conversation because it, it means so much to me that that people are willing to take the time to to talk about these things further to to be part of the discussion. That's what we want. Um, but I also wanted to encourage each of you. Like it's 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 not just a dialogue between you 
and and us as the creators uh, i like if there's a thread you can talk with each other and i think that's great uh yeah. like if if one of the outcomes of of us doing this is we start to have more people having more of these kinds of conversations and we're not involved at all that's perfect we might steal some of that material for an episode in which case we'll ask you about it and and, and credit you but like seriously like we're definitely not the only people in the world who've got some interesting ideas to, to explore and to contribute. And so I'd encourage you to engage with each other on this. And it doesn't have to be on the online forum, but if it's there, you know, it can get more people involved and, uh, and possibly introduce us to something. Again, we don't, we don't have all the answers. Uh, and I love being exposed to new ideas and I love having my ideas challenged. So yeah. really, really want to encourage that to, uh, that, that level of engagement with each other as, as well as with us. I, I think that's a great point. And, and certainly, I hope, you know, obviously, we love to be part of the conversation because we want to talk about this all the time. But I hope that, you know, if you don't want to do that, that you're, you're sharing the podcast with a friend and the two of you are having a cup of coffee or a beer and talking about it, you know, finding ways to keep these conversations going. Um, so, yeah. So, so again, um, to the moon, guys, I'm just so excited about all the things that are happening with the, um, the new listeners, the new fans, the, the patrons. Uh, you continue to support us on Patreon. You can buy our T-shirts. Uh, mouse pads, pens, all kind of superhero swag all on uh, our Tea Republic website, which is also going to be in the show notes. Um, for all you guys do, thank you and um, have a great day. Bye.